pop quiz time here at H2O Radio. Name a group of islands that are an internationally acclaimed marine biosphere reserve teeming with wildlife that's found nowhere else in the world and that's also a national park. The Galapagos of Ecuador, right? True, but actually we were referring to a place a little closer to home for those of us in the U.S., somewhere you can go for a day trip, a quick getaway, no passport required. We're talking about the Channel Islands just off the Southern California coast. And you'd be forgiven for not guessing, right? Few travel to this extraordinary place, despite its being right in LA's backyard. Today, a group of us are aboard the charter Vanguard on a sunny but brisk December morning, headed to Anacapa, the smallest and closest in the chain to discover the island's allure. I'd like to tell you guys a few things about the boat here before we get out of the harbor. Uh, it is a little bumpy. We'll keep the bow open for right now. Not going to lie to you, it's an unusually choppy day out here. Strong winds from the northwest were generating some decent swells until we got further out to sea that lifted and dropped this very solid 64-foot powerboat. But from the whoops I hear from this crowd of passengers, the anticipation of seeing wildlife along the way makes them take the one-hour ride to the islands in stride. The Channel Islands are situated just below Point Conception. If you're looking at a map of California, Point Conception is the place where the coastline changes from running north-south to going in an east-west direction. That sudden shift in geography was carved over millions of years as large plates of the Earth's crust moved along fault lines and created a deep basin. Those dynamic forces also shaped the Channel Islands and its unique ecosystem found nowhere else on Earth. We have uh, one of the richest marine areas in the world right here in the Santa Barbara Channel. That's Joel Justin. He's a volunteer naturalist for the Park Service and our guide for the day. He's explaining upwelling, a mixing of currents that creates the perfect elixir for wildlife to thrive. Um, upwelling is a, is a phenomenon that occurs typically on the western shores or western edges of continents where you've got the northwest trade winds that, that blow across the water towards the mainland. And as they blow across the water, they move the surface water out of the way, which makes room for the cold, nutrient-rich water to come up from the depths of the ocean. And within that nutrient-rich water, it brings lots of uh, decayed plant matter, decayed animal matter, which really fires off the food chain and fires off the phytoplankton, which is the, the plant plankton, which fires off the zooplankton, which is the, the animal plankton, and that fires off all of the, all the bait fishes, things like sardines and squid and things of that sort which feed the larger fishes and marine mammals like, like whales and dolphins and sea lions and seals. And speaking of dolphins, a crew member has spotted a pod and parents are excitedly lifting their kids up to make sure they don't miss seeing them. Lovey, you want to see these dolphins? They're all jumping by the boat. Common dolphin is... They're easy to spot. Dozens leap in the waves and some are swimming right next to us. We've also seen whales. Their populations are booming, and record numbers of grays, humpbacks, and even orcas have been seen migrating south toward Mexico. We've been so distracted by the dolphins that we don't realize we've arrived at the landing. 
The boat pulls into a small cove where we disembark and climb up a metal staircase several flights along the island's steep bluffs. Anacapa is volcanic, and waves have sculpted the rock into towering cliffs, sea caves, and natural bridges. We reach the top of the stairs to reveal a treeless landscape, but by no means is Anacapa barren. It's home to 265 species of plants, including two only found on Anacapa and 20 only found on the Channel Islands. Not bad for a rock that's only a quarter mile wide and five miles long. Here's an example of uh, an endemic island buckwheat. Um, uh, behind you, you see all these white flowers and all these viney uh, plants. That's uh, wild cucumber, which is also an endemic species out here on the island. But what I really wanted to show you guys here is if you look down here at the trail, right, you see lots of little shells, right? These were, these were brought here by the Native American Chumash Indian. This is what they call a midden site. Uh, midden site was a place where the Chumash, basically their trash dump, it's their refuse pile. They would put things in, in uh, these midden piles that they no longer wanted. Turns out you can tell a lot about a culture by digging through their trash. Archaeological sites on the Channel Islands offer a fascinating window into the past, a glimpse of what the archipelago used to be like long before Juan Rodriguez Cabrillo, quote-unquote, discovered them in 1542. Before the Europeans arrived, the Chumash people lived on these lands and cultivated a complex society with their own currency made from white shell beads strung together and developed a unique canoe called the Tomol that allowed them to trade with mainland Chumash. They thrived on these islands, that is, until the Spaniards came. Unfortunately, the Chumash weren't always safe out here. Back in the, in the late 1700s, the Europeans began to build the missions all up and down the coast of California. They were put there to help bring European values, cultures, religions, traditions to the Native Americans. Unfortunately, they brought other things like diseases, right? A huge measles epidemic uh, nearly wiped out the Chumash back in the uh, late 1700s. They also brought colorful Venetian glass beads. So now if you're a mainland Chumash and you can trade for a white shell bead or a colorful glass bead, what are you, what are you going to pick? Okay, well, so, so the island Chumash economy began to collapse because their shell bead money value went, went, went down once these colorful glass beads were introduced. Add to that, in the 1815-1816 time frame, there was a huge El Nino event that caused ocean temperatures to rise. Not a lot, just three to five degrees maybe, but enough to drive away marine life that likes cold, nutrient-rich waters. For the island Chumash, who depended on seafood for survival, it was the proverbial final straw. So your population is declining due to disease, uh, your economy is collapsing, your food sources are leaving. By 1822, the last of the Chumash left, uh, left the Channel Islands. An untimely ending to a long history. Numerous prehistoric artifacts on the islands suggest the Chumash had flourished here for thousands of years. During the Pleistocene era, the sea level was at least 150 feet lower and the northern Channel Islands were joined as one. In 1959, Philip Orr discovered three human bones on Santa Rosa Island, which he named Arlington Springs Man for the location where he found them. Since his discovery, radiocarbon dating has determined that Arlington Springs Man was in fact Arlington Springs Woman, and she lived 13,000 years ago, making her remains potentially the oldest known human skeleton in North America. 
Her presence on the island shows that people, even at this primitive time, built rafts of some sort, allowing them to cross the Santa Barbara Channel. And crossing the channel can be treacherous. On a clear day, the mainland looks but a stone's throw away. But when the channel's famous thick fog rolls in, combined with its strong currents, even an experienced ship's captain can get disoriented. You know, California was first becoming a state. They were finding gold, you know, up in the hills and uh, uh, up in gold country, northern California. And there were a lot of steamship companies that, uh, that moved people um, from San Francisco area down to Panama. They would drop them off at the isthmus before the canal was built, obviously. Uh, people would uh, get transported to the other side and pick up another steamship to go to whatever their Atlantic seaboard uh, location was. And these steamship companies, um, the way they got business, the way they marketed themselves was uh, how quickly they could get people from San Francisco to Panama or vice versa. And it turns out that the fastest route is to come right down here through the Santa Barbara Channel, not go out around the islands, but to come down through the Santa Barbara Channel. The Winfield Scott was a 225-foot uh, sidewheel paddle steamship, and it left San Francisco uh, on December 1st of 1853. There were close to 300 people aboard. Um, the captain's plan was to come through the channel and then cut uh, in the passage between Anacapa and Santa Cruz. It was about a five-mile gap between the two islands. Um, unfortunately, it was an extremely foggy night, and his dead reckoning was a little bit off that night. He ended up steaming past the passage, and when he made that slight turn to starboard, he ended up steaming full speed ahead into middle Anacapa Island. Fortunately, all survived, but the accident and subsequent shipwrecks pressured the government to provide more navigation aids. It took a while because of the daunting challenge in getting equipment up Anacapa's steep cliffs. Finally, in, uh, in 1912, uh, they constructed the first lighthouse on the island. So the ships got the navigation aids they needed, but who was guarding the islands? Who was standing up for nature? By the late 19th century, sheep and cattle ranchers came, as did fur trappers, and the channel waters were aggressively harvested for fish and marine mammals. Like the Galapagos off South America, centuries of isolation had created astonishing biodiversity. But by the 20th century, things were starting to unravel from overfishing and introduced plants and animals. Several species were on the brink of extinction, and others, such as the Santa Barbara Island Song Sparrow, were lost forever. Luckily, a new ethic was emerging about our relationship to the environment, and a different type of explorer began to come to the islands, this time armed with hiking boots, cameras, and swim fins. They came to walk the pristine white sand dunes and torrid pine groves of Santa Rosa, to snorkel in the rich kelp forests, or kayak into one of the hundreds of sea caves on Santa Cruz, the largest of which, the Painted Cave, has a cathedral 160 feet high. They brought their passion, their curiosity, and their awe, and that led to new protections and special designations. The park boundary actually extends one nautical mile around each of the islands, so about 50% of our park is underwater. And then the, uh, the National Marine Sanctuary um, uh, extends six nautical miles around uh, each of the islands. On top of that, within the marine sanctuary waters are 13 marine protected areas where fishing, both commercial and recreational, is banned. The protected areas are helping researchers to better understand marine ecosystems, 
not to mention attracting divers from all over the world who want to see the plentiful wildlife. Yeah, they, uh, they've done studies every five years since, and they, they are working for sure. You know, populations of targeted uh, species like sheephead or, or the, uh, the spiny lobsters that we have are quite abundant now within the marine protected areas where they didn't used to be. Uh, and you go outside and you can see, you know, what things used to be like more. Well, even the, you know, the things like the sea lions we talked about earlier, their populations are soaring. And that's probably part of the reason we're seeing more the predatory animals like the orcas and the white sharks. As we sit at one of the many overlooks to watch brown pelicans dive into the water and sea lions sunning themselves on rocks, you realize there's endless things to discover here. Whether you're a researcher studying ocean acidification, a scientist trying to unravel the mysterious starfish die-off, or just a kid exploring tide pools, you're in a living laboratory, a natural history museum, and given the rebounding wildlife, you're witnessing an example of our better nature. Reporting from Ventura County, California, I'm Franny Halperin, and you're listening to H2O Radio.